To join the conversation, go to at usnowpodcast on Instagram. Hi there, and welcome back to the Us Now podcast. If you're new to this podcast, I'm your host, Jenny Hollendaller, a senior from the Louisa County High School in the Blue Ridge Virtual Governance School program. The Us Now podcast was created in order to discuss different social issues relevant to high schoolers today. Today, we're talking about cyberbullying. Once again, we have four guests. Can you introduce yourselves? Sure, I'm Todd Ryan. I'm the school counseling director here and also the counselor for the students in the Blue Ridge Virtual Governance School. Uh, my name is Reagan Shear, and I'm in the 11th grade. Uh, my name is Shaheen Poole, and I'm a senior. I'm Catherine Duke. I'm one of the librarians here at Louisa County High School. Great. So let's get started. Um, so cyberbullying is a type of bullying, and so first can we just like level out what exactly is the definition of bullying? Um, so bullying is um, a repetitive basically non-stop thing to where you're causing a person another person harm repeatedly whether it's physically emotionally or yeah I guess there's the two ways but yeah it's just this non-stop thing and it really like takes a toll on them and yeah and then cyber would just be on the internet any form on the internet yeah so does the school define it in a certain way I think bullying I mean for, for us as a school, we think we would see bullying, um, as was mentioned, but it's also an abuse of power when one person feels or thinks they have a, a position of power over someone else and exerts that power in a negative way to make someone feel demeaned, uncomfortable, unwelcome, unwanted, um, and then repeatedly, um, you know, versus an isolated incident. I think bullying oftentimes is a repeated offense. Um, it can be an isolated incident, but I think when there's repeated bullying, particularly if it's, if it's online, um, those things are, are very difficult for students to handle emotionally. Uh, certainly impacts your education. Um, but our goal here would be, you know, whether it's bullying or cyberbullying, and another purpose today is cyberbullying, is to identify those issues, how they occur, can we talk about why they occur, and what a school can do, not only to, to have consequences, but more importantly, to, to prevent it from ever happening in the first place. I think that's what we'd all want to rather see happen, um, is to prevent it from ever happening in the first place. Yeah, so I know you said that bullying entails like a power imbalance. So what do we think kind of would constitute um, like all of a sudden that we're getting from a power imbalance where there's obviously a victim and a bully rather than two people arguing online? Like how do you draw that line? I think online makes it more difficult than if, you know, if you, if you have a physical altercation or someone's saying stuff to you in person, um, it's a little bit easier to define who has more power and who has their power taken away from them. Um, but when you're looking online, sometimes it's anonymous, so you don't even know who it is who is attacking you. Um, that makes it difficult um, because, I mean, in reality, it could be someone that you think is your friend, but then is anonymously attacking you and coming after you in some way. Um, I. I can't even imagine being a high school student right now and having all of that. Um, I think Mr. Ryan and I were talking about this a few minutes ago. Um, when we were in school, you didn't really have to deal with things outside of school um, because you weren't connected in the way that you guys are connected now. I mean, you're constantly in contact with people and not just people that are your peers here at the high school, but I mean, you could be connected to people all across the United States, even across the world, and that just opens it up so much more. It, it's great because it exposes you to different people and allows you to meet different people from different cultures and different backgrounds, but it also puts you at risk. And I know from a parent's perspective, that was something that I always worried about with my daughter uh, being online, and I tried to monitor that as much as possible. Um, but it's really difficult, and it's difficult to kind of pinpoint okay, you know, how did this even initiate? Was it because someone posted something, a picture, and someone posted something hateful, and then it escalated from there? Or was it someone posted an insult on somebody's, you know, and with Snapchat and everything else now, I think it just makes it even more difficult to try and define, you know, really how it initiated, and, and is it more of a back-and-forth thing, or, or is it actually something that causes that emotional distress? You were talking about, Jenny. I think that it can also happen during school that you can transfer over to online because it's like there's certain groups and they're like, hey, I don't like this one person. They'll physically like go online and start attacking like the person. That's how you like separate between 
like the bullies and the victim. Yeah, and I, I guess I would add, you know, and following up on those two comments, the, the thing that I find particularly um, stressful about cyberbullying versus bullying, although they are certainly linked, is what Ms. Duke was saying is, you know, there used to be a time and you could have, you could come to school and and the person or persons that were bullying you, you would leave them at school. And at 3.30, that part of your life would not impact. And you could go home and you could be with your brothers and sisters, agree with mom and dad, agree with your youth group, or jump on horses, Girl Scouts, and not have to have that experience. Where now, because it is so pervasive and you know students are connected by social media, it's almost like you feel like you can't get away from it, you know? And, and I think that's a huge cognitive difference is when you can get away from it and leave, you know, Nasty Joe or Nasty Jenny, no offense, you know, like <laughs> at, at school and go home and not have to experience that and get away from that. Where now I don't think there's always a way to feel people can get away from it um, if we're so tied to our phones and, and what other people might say or, or forward what someone else might say that would be a friend and it just becomes a pervasive. Um, thing to deal with, I think, and, and over time. And that's the other part is over time. It's not an isolated incident, it's an overtime situation that happens to people, I think, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, and like, I don't know how many forms of social media you, Mr. Iron, or you, Miss Duke have, but I know, like, us three have some forms of social media. Like, do you think there's a certain form that is, um, where cyberbullying happens more frequently? Usually Instagram. Yeah. Instagram, um, it's definitely a big one because I know it's it tends to be one of the very popular platforms. You can be more anonymous on it. Like if you screenshot like a Snapchat story, it shows. You said that. Yeah. Also, yeah. That's another thing with Instagram. So I definitely feel like Instagram would be a big one, but it definitely does also happen on Snapchat because yeah. you can have people adding you that you don't even know, and let's say they don't necessarily like or agree with what you post. You may not know that person, but they still can swipe up and add commentary that isn't necessarily positive, you know? Yeah, and like, I I don't know, I don't I don't own a Facebook, I have like Snapchat and Instagram, and like all of my accounts are private, so I don't really like, I don't experience it personally much at all. Um, but I can see definitely like other people's posts. I see people, um, I don't know, what's the word, subtweeting? Subtweeting on Instagram, that's not a thing, but the general gist is like, they'll talk about something that doesn't really pertain to them, but they'll kind of hint at it for someone else. So can I ask like, if we've had any personal experiences with cyberbullying? Um, in a way I have, yes, but it wasn't exactly, um, it wasn't exactly like death threats or insults. Um, the way, I feel like the manner of neglect that I've felt necessarily hasn't been like sort of for altercational like it's just been like oh I'll just unadd you because of your sexual orientation or oh I'll block you because I don't like the post and I don't want anything to do with you so I feel like um there's definitely like different forms that can like affect you but so far I haven't like experienced any like from like you know harassment well, I used to come from an area where it was either you were in the it group or you weren't, and those two um, groups would often collide. And I remember seventh grade year, so I was 12 at the time, there was these group of boys, they were high schoolers, like 15, 16 years old, and I remember one of them, like, added me to this group chat, like, all of them talking, and they, like, comment on my post, like, they send it to the group chat, and they're like, look at her, blah, 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 and this would go on for months, like, past summer to, like, summer. And they created this, like, nickname they used for me, and it spread around my whole school at the time. So, like, my entire eighth grade year, I had not only, like, them harassing me, the whole school, like, except, like, a few people saying that nickname, it just kind of shook me up for a while. Yeah, for sure. And, like, were, did they um, tell you that, like, did they put you in the group chat and let you know? Or did they try to, like, hide it? No, like, purposely put me in so they could okay. see what I did, like, okay. what they did. And then, like, I had, like, a few people from the group chat also DM me, like, personally and also try to attack me. And it was just really just not good. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just curious, Regan, how did you, like, did you tell your parents or any adult that that was going on? Or? Not really. Like, I've had teachers come up to me because they noticed, like, the nicknames and all that. They're like, hey, you're good. Are you good? And I'm like, nah, I'm fine everything's chill like my parents found out after we moved to Louisa but after that I kind of just like isolated myself for like the whole 
entire year and didn't talk much about it. Yeah. And I think, like, I don't follow the entire school. I don't follow every high school student in America, so I don't see cyberbullying. But I think, I don't know, I think, do we think it happens more just on a private level, like with direct messaging, with stuff that's temporary rather than people just kind of posting outright so that it's always there? It's definitely more private because you wouldn't like post out to like your Instagram story like I don't like this person, haha, look at them. You'd directly talk to that person and be like, hey, no, stop. Um, for me, I feel like it's kind of both. It can be like a temporary thing that's kind of kept hidden, but it can also be very public in a way. Um, for instance, like comments on other people's posts, like everyone can see, see those. And I feel like, of course, like I feel like that's where the majority of it happens because I don't know, people are just, that's just how they are. And for the temporary side, like, yeah, um, I know Instagram has this feature where you can put stuff on your story and it lasts for 24 hours. And a lot of people like myself, um, they'll put like, I don't know, selfies, they'll put like political beliefs, um, you know, like their viewpoints and everything. And you might receive like people you don't know just swiping up and giving you negative comments. But um, I think it definitely can happen in both ways of what you were asking. Sure. Yeah, so, um, do you get, Mr. Ryan, like, students coming and talking about cyberbullying often? I, I wouldn't say often. I mean, from, occasionally we, we do. Um, and if it's gotten to the point where it's, it's deemed, like, a, a bullying situation, then oftentimes um, it's, it's gotten to a big enough point where other folks become involved, whether it's Sergeant Sarnowski or administration. Um, you know, and the thing that I guess I'm sitting here thinking about is, you know, the, the ability for students to, to connect with each other online um, hence the cyber part and the difficulty of that. You know, part of my curiosity as as, a, as an old person is, you know, how does that become part of like teenage culture, right? Because are are there positive things? And, and I'm just asking a rhetorical question, but maybe it has an answer. Are there positive things to Instagram and are there positive things to Snapchat, or are they tools that we use? Because I don't hear a lot of people say, "I'm so glad I'm on Snapchat. <laughs> I'm so glad I'm on Instagram." Certainly, I don't hear parent, parents say that, but there's got to be a reason. Why people engage in those social media platforms, right? Um, but there are certainly negative things that come along with that. So, so is, is there a kind of a thought, or what is the thought about having those mediums to share with peers that is positive? Because I just don't see that as often, and maybe that's because most things are positive, and then a few negative things get brought up to the surface, um, or is it a platform for negativity that is just kind of pervasive in our where we are and yeah that's the problem with cyberbullying it's just that like I don't I can't say the year that any of these apps were founded but like it's a new thing like yeah our parents didn't experience this like even older siblings maybe didn't experience it so it's just so new and there are just more and more ways every single day that I think people can cyberbully each other because like they add new features all the time and I don't oh sorry I don't think Instagram and Snapchat are necessarily bad apps as far as I think we hear more about the negative use of them. I'll be honest, I have both apps on my phone. I don't I follow my daughter on Instagram and she's the only one I follow. I've never posted anything on Instagram and I don't think I've ever even used Snapchat. Again, I got it because she wanted to to do it. Um, I'll, I'll be completely honest, I still can't wrap my head around like how you use Snapchat effectively. I mean, I get that you like send pictures back and forth and it doesn't save them unless you screenshot, but I just, I don't, I, I think it's a generational thing maybe, and that, although I know people my age who use Snapchat, so it's, it's just not for me, it's not a platform that's for me, but Instagram, I could see, like, um, especially, like, when my daughter was younger, I mean, I love to take pictures of her and everything, and of course, you know, like, eventually we had a digital camera, but when she was first born, you know, I had to send the film off to get it developed, and then, like, you want to share with people who don't live necessarily close to you, so Instagram's a way to do that, I think, Mr. Ryan, most people of our generation probably use Facebook for that, but Instagram is maybe easier to use. I think for you guys to be able to share your pictures with your friends and things like that, or if you go on like a vacation and you want to like be, feel connected to your friends back home, that's a positive thing. But unfortunately, since it's out there on social media and anyone in theory could have access to it, I mean, yes, you can have your account as private, but there's ways that people can 
I remember always lecturing my daughter about like, who is this person you're friends with? Do you know them? No, but such and such is friends with them. But you don't know them in real life. <laughs> you know, if you don't know them in real life, you shouldn't be friends with them or following them online. Um, and I have a Twitter account. And I've retweeted stuff. I don't think I've ever composed an actual tweet in my life. But And mostly who I follow are like publishers and authors and to try and keep up with library stuff. Um, so, But I've seen even on there adults acting negative. You know, like you scroll through and read the comments and you think... Twitter's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it gets really negative and a lot of times stuff gets blocked on there. Um, so I feel like they're pretty good with that. Um, I don't know. It's I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on if you think there are positive aspects to oh um well for sure um there well it's positive but typically like Ms. Duke said we always hear about the negative but I think social media in general like the purpose is like hey get connected you know um possibly like meet new people or stay in touch with old people um so it's really um it's really like when you're on social media I feel like most people get the purpose out of it for self-expression like oh like of course I'm gonna post this picture because it expresses me or oh, I'm gonna post this opinion because it expresses me and self-expression is very subjective and people might not necessarily agree with you so that also like opens up a big door of like hate or possibly like negative stuff so definitely um I think it goes both ways like Miss Duke said I think social media, yeah, it's good. It's just sometimes used by the wrong people. Like, I usually just use, like, Instagram, get some funny memes or something, share some posts with friends, talk to, like, old friends I've had from my old schools. But it's when someone purposely, like, uses it for hate. It's when it starts getting more negative and it starts bringing it up to the surface. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I have a large social media following, like, I will spend, like, way too long on Instagram just, like, scrolling through the Explore page, but, like, I don't exactly post much, or at least what I do post, it's not really much of anything personal. Like, I'll post a picture of this cool frog I saw on the road one time, and, like, oh, we'll comment on each other's pictures, but, yeah, I mean, I don't, part, part of that is, like, I don't really feel the need to, or, like, I guess maybe part of it's that... Not that I would expect to get cyberbullied, but, like, I just don't really need that kind of conversation on my account. It's just not necessary for me. Yeah, like, sometimes people can also take breaks from social medias or start, like, new themes. Like, now I only have, like, five posts. Like, I don't post that much. I just, like, post obscure pictures on my story. And people will be like, what's that? I'm like, I don't know. Who knows? But it's mainly just to avoid getting hate if you post something that's like anything controversial you can just beat yourself and they can't really say anything about it yeah. and it, that's the thing with social media that a lot of people like won't post something because they expect to get negativity for it and of course like that is kind of bad because then you feel like you can't express yourself but also I guess there's a line between I just want to express myself and what I want to express is not necessarily going to be sit well with a lot of people. So I, there's definitely that fine line there. Um, but I think that there are some people who just will comment on anything. Like I'll be scrolling through Instagram and I'll see a picture of a girl with her cat like on the explore page and in the comments someone will be like, oh wow, she looks ugly or something, something, something. That's just totally, it's totally nothing to do with the photo. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely irrelevant. Yeah, so I definitely see that a lot. And I think maybe the, the deeper thought is, you know, what motivates people to put negative things on someone's comments, right? Like, it's been my experience that people that are hurting tend to want to hurt other people. And not physically, but even, you know, even, even emotionally. So, you know, there's probably a deeper root here when, when people either anonymously or, or publicly are, are critical or negative or, or bullying someone else online is, what is it that that person is experiencing that leads them to get to the point where they think that a, a negative comment or an inappropriate comment um, is acceptable or even the right thing to, to post and to say? So, you know, I, I think about those folks as well because I, I really believe that people that set out intentionally to make other people's lives miserable, that there's something going on with them that, that we just don't know and don't, don't have, haven't gotten to the point of what it is that's happening there. Um, you know, you guys probably know I'm, I'm an optimist, but I also see 
and I see the great in people, but I also it breaks my heart when I see the things that people do that are negative and that have life-changing implications or certainly um, you know consequences for other folks that are just so negative and, and damaging that it's really hurtful to see. So what you know, what's that underlying thing that people aren't feeling like fulfilled? That they feel the way to be fulfilled is to say and do negative things towards other people. For sure. I think maybe too, it's hard. I just was thinking about this when you were talking for them to really see the impact of what their words are. Maybe it's making them feel better about their own lives to type something negative, but they're not actually seeing how that's impacting the person who's reading that, or you know, they may not know anything about that person's life. And I think that's where it gets really tricky, too, because it's, you know, whether you're doing it anonymously or doing it under your own name or whatever your, Insta- what's, the, it's, what's it called? Username. Username on Instagram. You know, whatever it happens to be, um, it's still you're not face-to-face. You're not seeing that impact where you were if we were sitting in this room and having a conversation and I wanted to insult somebody. It's it's a difference. And, and I think... As much as what social media is connecting us, there's also a disconnect there. You know, it's we can be friends and have this whole, you know, group chat going on and be in our own houses or in different countries or whatever and feel like we're connected, but in reality, we're really not, you know. And I think that's one of the things, you know, like a lot of schools allow students to have phones out at lunch and things like that. And that's one of the things I've kind of struggled with as a teacher throughout the years. But if you think about it during the school day, it, that may be your only opportunity that you're not connected. Because I know nobody checks their phone during the school day. <laughs> but, you know, like at least you're not checking it as much. You're not feeling like it's constantly, when you get a notification, if you are going to check it, you're going to have to be a little bit more sneaky about it than just pulling it out and looking at it. Um, I noticed that's changed. Um, I think once you guys know, I've worked a second job for most of my time as a teacher. And that I've noticed even in my second job with the people that I work with. When I first started, you know, hardly anyone even had a cell phone. Or if they did, they left it in the car or whatever. And, you know, like, most recently the job that I had, like, everybody had their phones out all the time. You know, we're checking them and, like, the, the cooks behind the line and the bartenders. And so, you know, it's not just teenagers, but it's young adults that also that's impacting. And um, I don't know who really teaches people how to have etiquette online. I'm not sure that as educators we do a good enough job of that, and I'm not sure parents, whether it's lack of knowledge, because like you said, Jenny, they don't, they didn't grow up with it, so they don't really, you know, it's all reactive. It's not being proactive. So I, I think what you were saying, Mr. Ryan, we, we do need to be more proactive, and maybe part of that is teaching people how to interact online in a positive manner. I mean, if we're teach, talking about, like, ceremonial, like, etiquette, we did have, like, those old, like, assemblies back in elementary school, like, this is your digital footprint. This is what, this will affect you for the rest of your life. And they kind of worked. I mean, it could be worse today than is, um, than what it should be. But even then, does it really, like, solve the problem? Yeah, and I'd like to say, like, um, I think parents, a lot of them just aren't even cognizant of what their kids are seeing online. Like, um, a lot of parents, like, they don't even know what Instagram is, and they have no idea, like, what kind of things can be accessed. And so, I mean, it's nice that we have the freedom to look at all of that, and, but then I think also a lot of times parents aren't looking at what their kids are doing, one, because they feel like their kids should have freedom, absolutely, but also because they literally don't know what's going on and so I'm wondering like do you all support that do you think it's kind of bad that parents are letting their children have social media and have phones at an increasingly young age as, a, as parents yeah you can say yeah I mean I, and hopefully my daughter will hear this uh, podcast so I have an 8th grade daughter and I have a 6th grade daughter and a 4th grade daughter but my 8th grade daughter um, and you guys remember me in 8th grade and we've had many conversations and and my, my stance as a dad, and, and I would say it, it would be my stance as a counselor, because I don't change my, you know, leopard doesn't change its spots just because it changes its environment, is we've talked about cell phones, and she, she, she doesn't have one, and it's not my wife's desire to, to give her one any, anytime soon. Um, and she comes across, yeah, you don't trust me, right? And, and I hear that, and, and I, what we try to do is to show her every reason that we do trust her, 
just this device sometimes is, gets outside of your control, you know, and it's not what she would access, it's but what might be sent to her. Um, and it's just, and I, you know, she's like, you know, why do I have to have the one dad who's a school counselor in high school? I'm like, well, that's just, you're lucky, yeah, right? But it really scares me as, as a parent, and it scares me as a, as a counselor, is that this, this device, which is remarkably powerful, um, and the social media things that come along with that, um, can, can, can really change someone's affect, and we're talking about cyberbullying, that quickly, but also subtly um, to where sometimes parents don't even see that, right? And their friends don't even see it. And it's, and it's this constant thing that people try to hide things that they're embarrassed about, and sometimes being bullying, oftentimes being bullying, is, is embarrassing. You know, and, and I know bullying from first-hand experiences. I've told you guys that are at our, our, our assemblies, but it's hard to share that when you see it as embarrassing. Um, and then if you have kind of this back and forth with mom and dad about your phone, no, I'm not using that, I'm not on that. Like, it's hard to share something when you're trying to hide what it is that's happening. And, um, and all that stuff are things that I would prefer my, my kids not experience. Now, can I protect her forever? You know, and is it going to be a is it going to be a bad thing when she's actually going to phone? I don't know. I mean, I you know I guess I'm willing to take that risk, um, but I love her too much to put her in a situation where um, bad things can happen, and and that's my fear right now. And I know maybe it's an irrational fear, but at the same time, it's a, it's a fear that I have that I have to kind of walk through with my wife with regards to my oldest daughter, and then subsequently my other two kids that have come along. Um, I'm not sure that answered your question, but that's kind of my thought right now. Yeah, well, because I think, I mean, I got a phone at kind of an early age. I think my first smartphone was, like, in seventh grade or something. And so I think I pretty quickly, I might have already had an Instagram account before that. But, like, I would say I was almost a little bit apprehensive to use it. Like, I was pretty cautious from the get-go. Like, I didn't let just anyone follow me. Like, I wouldn't do much with it. So I kind of had a slow start, but I'm thinking about like middle schoolers who like as soon as they get the phone, they're on the social media, they're posting stuff, they're interacting with everyone. So, uh, have you seen that difference? Like, I've definitely seen that difference. Like, I got my first smartphone when I was in sixth grade, and I was always excited to use it because I saw my older sister grow up with it. But I also saw like all the negative effects, so I was trying to avoid that. Didn't really work out in the end, but. I saw, like, I tried to stay, like, more to my friend group, and I started, like, opening up, and then that's just a side effect of what could happen if you, like, do become public on social medias. Um, so, totally agreeing with uh, Mr. Ryan's parenting on this one. Um, from what I've been observing, because I'd say my social media following is kind of broad, you know, um, a lot of it's collectively in the Louisa area, Louisa area. So from observing from what like the followers I have and who I follow um, in the middle school, you know, when kids are kind of exposed to that kind of stuff earlier and they do receive that hate or cyberbullying in any way, um, it definitely can affect them in the high school. Like I see like how it kind of traumatizes them and it will definitely change their behavior. So as far as Mr. Ryan's parenting, I totally agree with that. Um, for sure, because, I mean, at a young age, it's definitely going to affect down the line. But let's say teenagers in high school nowadays, I get it, they want their privacy. Um, and as a parent, I guess, I'm not one yet, but I guess as a parent, I would kind of respect that. But obviously, I know if there had been a change in my child's behavior and if I need to be concerned, and I'll take the precautions of what I need to get to the bottom of the situation. Going back to, like, what we were talking about a while ago when you are saying how, like, bullies often bully because there's something within themselves that they don't like, I think that it's important for victims to kind of recognize that, not that, like, if you're being bullied, it's okay to not be like, oh, well, this bully is just kind of, like, there's something wrong with them that needs to be fixed. Like, no, you're allowed to say this is not okay. Of course, but also be aware of the fact that the bully isn't saying that because there's actually some kind of big flaw. They're saying that because it's not, something isn't right for them in their own minds. I think it's really hard when you're in that situation yeah. to see that, especially if it's happening from more than one source, too, because it impacts your self-esteem and then you get in that place, and especially if you're not willing to reach out and talk to your friends or your parents or someone that you trust, um, and I think that's what 
probably concerns me the most in thinking about, you know, young people having to deal with that. And um, you just, you never know what's going on in someone else's life in general, really. But I think this just adds that whole other layer of, because it's almost like it's like a secret layer, you know, where if you're, if, if it's being done directly, then even your followers may not know anything about it. And um, different people try and deal with things in different ways. So I think that's hard. I think that's really good advice to send out to people thinking that, you know, if you are being bullied first, you know, reach out to someone, talk to a friend, talk to an adult that you trust, an older sibling, you know, an older family member, someone, at least talk about it. Um, I know I have a really bad habit of not talking about things when I'm upset about them. Uh, but it really does help. And if you bottle stuff up inside and then someone else is saying something to you and you already kind of have that little thought in the back of your mind thinking, you know, like, I don't like this about me or this isn't. And then someone else points it out and you're like, see, it's true, you know, and it's not, but it just, it tends to escalate. So I definitely agree with you. Like I, when everything happened to me, I really wish I opened up more because I never told anything about anything until after I moved. Well, I was telling my friends, they're like, no way, how'd that even happen? You never told us. Because the little voice inside my head was like, don't tell anyone. This is on your problems. You don't need to, like, share your burden on someone else. And that really can just affect your mental health if you don't tell anyone. Absolutely. I think you're really brave to share it now, though, even though it happened a while ago, because you never know. It could help someone who's experiencing something very similar. And I would say, I, you know, Reagan, I appreciate that. I, I think the thing that I also am aware of is, you know, people really want, they want willing to stop, right? I mean, that's really what we all want. So, you know, whether we employ, you know, to see something, say something, that the anonymous alerts, but something, people want it to stop. And I think what I've seen a lot in my office when we have issues with this is like the relief of it stopping, right? There's, it, it, even if it's hidden for, for a while, and then it comes to the surface because it, it, it blows up on a on a post or blows up on social media or blows up on the bus or blows up somewhere. Like what the release and the relief of it stopping, I think, is really where we where we get to that point where someone just wants it to stop. Like what happens to the person is a separate issue, but just stop doing that. And I think that's the part that I think we feel some cathartic, you know, about is that it's over and it's done and it's been going on for a length of time. And if we can get to that point where as a school as a student body, when we, we see it happening um, or are aware of it happening, and then we employ the, tr- the tactics that we can to stop it, is getting to that point where it stops, and the person who is the bully, the bu- bullied person, you know, feels that this is an end, at, at an end, uh, and there's a lot of relief and I think release in that. And I know personally here for me when when I when I went to bully went to a different school, he was a year old and he went to a different high school, um, and it was a completely different year for me when when I was able to experience that. So, team. Um, so, since you said you have like a pretty large-ish following on social media, um, what could you say about like which groups do you think are most bullied on social media? Like, what what group do you think is um, most targeted? I don't really know if I can name a specific group, but I feel like when people of not necessarily higher authority, but when they're in that mindset, like Mr. Ryan says, of wanting to conflict, like cause pain on others, um, I definitely think that they can tell when some when someone's vulnerable, and I definitely like think then that's when they choose, like you know, to obviously harass them. Um, so I can't necessarily say there's like a certain group, but I know that people that do um, do the cyberbullying, they. I, they kind of like choose their prey very wisely. Like they know who's vulnerable, they know who they could hurt easily, and they know who's already hurt. So that just makes it more easy and effective for them to do what they want, kind of. So since you're part of the LGBTQ community, do you think that LGBTQ students and people get more hate on social media? Um, I can, not that I observe, I feel like, um, in Louisa, it's not as bad, which is good. That's obviously a good thing, you know. Um, as far as, like, nationwide, worldwide, um, I'm obviously connected, but I'm not that connected. I can't see every um, member who's a part of that community's post. But um, it is a big issue right now. Um, and on behalf of them, that's that's really sad that they have to go through that. But um, 
that's also like another thing that's targeted and that's also an issue of society today so in a way um in a way attacking like trying to tackle the issue of cyberbullying would help but it's also like trying to accept that group as a whole in, in society in general you know so it's not just necessarily the cyberbullying aspect but like everyone's equal we should treat everyone like equally you know it's called by equality too I think if you're thinking of groups that are targeted the most, I think probably females in general are targeted more. Now, whether that's because they're more active on social media and post more often, um, but I mean, I'm just thinking even back to like the presidential um, election a few years ago, you know, Hillary was constantly, what was she wearing and how did she look today? And, you know, like males, I don't feel get that same sort of criticism from people online and people in general, um, where as females, it's it's not really about what they do. It's more how they look and how they're portraying themselves, and are they acting in a you know appropriate manner or not? I mean, I will say that like Hillary Clinton definitely did receive a lot of hate for her appearance, but Donald Trump absolutely did as well right. for his hairstyle or for his skin tone or whatever. But I mean, I think that election in general was just a lot of attacks on both sides so um I which do made it seem more accepting and yeah. I, I i'm kind of yeah. curious if things have gotten worse since then because you know i mean now you know we have a president who is using social media um, a lot and it's it's instigating these things and what type of example is that setting for you know these students in elementary school or middle school when they're first getting cell phones and things like that I don't know. I, I'm just a big believer in we all want it to stop. And so what, education-wise, what can we do to try and be proactive and try and prevent that? And I, I don't know that, I don't have an answer, certainly. Yeah. I wish I did. But Yeah, I, we can go back like later on like how we can fix it. But I did also want to ask Mr. Ryan, like, since you do <laughs> get um, students coming in talking about bullying and talking about cyberbullying, um, what kinds of effects do you see that having on their mental health? Yeah, that's a fair question and a good question. You know, and, and I would say it, the initial part, the impact is more emotional in trying to kind of navigate and move through just the adolescent world. I think when it gets to a point where it's impacted the students' grades and, and kind of just their attendance, you know, that's, that's where it, it had been going on, generally been going on for a while um, and, and not known about, right, and, and this is kind of continued um, feeling of maybe helplessness or, or anxiety of being even coming to school or being around people, whether it's on the bus or at a sporting event or, you know, you know who knows, you know, you know not, not the guy, but like a band or a team or, you know, any, any kind of organization that someone belongs to, and then there's an avoidance of those things that previously had been really healthy and good for them, um, you know, so you kind of withdraw from, from you know, extracurricular activity, you withdraw from your studies, withdraw from engaging in class, withdraw from, you know, and you start seeing those things. And I think someone mentioned earlier, kind of seeing some of the signs of, of how that person changes when these things are occurring. Um, you know, but it's also being really, talks about being in tune to your classmates, you know, and, it, you know, as, as adults in the building, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're not the same age and, you know, friend level as, as you all. So you are, as the 1,472 kids or however many you have at Louisa, you know, are, are interacting with your peers regularly and the shifts and changes in people's attitudes and behaviors and thought processes and comments and, and just affect is probably something you're going to see more readily than we are. Um, you know, part of that is, are, are there some opportunities for students to help assist in that? Of course there are. That's why we have friends. You know, we're not designed to make it through life independently. But at the same time, sometimes it gets to a different level that needs a different level of, of uh, intervention. Right? And that's where we would come in with regards to helping a student and then their family navigate the difficult things that are going on. But I, I would definitely say that you know, if, if it's a, a continued element of bullying, there are certainly attendance issues that come along with that. There are certainly uh, academic issues that come along. And sometimes there are certainly like, um, just kind of discipline, you know, acting out in the classroom or acting out in the hallway that come along because these things just weigh on people. And it's hard not to have them weigh on you when you keep hearing comments and being criticized and being right. treated poorly, they feel like you have no way out. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing, like, again, why it's so bad is because, like you said, that people just withdraw, 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 
and then all of a sudden, like, if they've closed off their family and friends, then all that's left is the social media, and which is the actual source. So I think that that point just is so unhealthy. So, yeah. <laughs> and I would just say it's also compounded, I think, by navigating adolescence in general. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's body changes, there's, you know, uh, lifestyle changes, there's, there's just kind of like friendship. Those things happen anyway between 15 and 18 years old. So, you know, it, it's hard probably sometimes for, for adults to see that recognizing, well, you know, they're just, you know, they're just a teenager going through this, this kind of navigating a difficult life of teenagers. But at the same time, you throw out some other things that are kind of, that are very negative and, and damaging, then it becomes even more complex to kind of navigate that successfully. So as high schoolers, do we think it's gotten better? Do you think cyberbullying has gotten better since middle school? Um, for the most part, kind of, yeah. I mean, it does still happen. But, um, you know, transitioning to high school, you kind of mature. You you see what's childlike and foolish. Um, so, yeah, I definitely say it's still an issue, but it's just not as bad as in middle schoolers, you know? Yeah, I agree with Jakey. Like, it wasn't as bad as it was in middle school. Like, I barely, just, I don't even listen to people anymore. I'm just like, hey, I'm here, what's up? But back in middle school, yeah, I took a lot of things, like, to heart. Because I was like, yeah, these are my friends. This would be cool. They're all fake. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, with friend groups, the whole group mentality, whether it be, like, one group against another group or, like, a whole group of friends against one person. Like, I think that's really detrimental when it becomes the whole group mentality because all these different, like, opinions are just kind of funneling into one big attack on one person, and I think that can be really detrimental. So what kind of, how do you see that usually? Like, do you see that often, that it's more groups than people? As far as in the cyberbullying, you mean, or yeah, just bullying I mean, in general? I guess it could apply either way, but I do. I think personally, I do see more of the group stuff on social media. Like it's usually that like a bully, I think, will want other people to quote unquote back them up to make it seem even more serious for the victim. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe what you're, what I'm thinking is like sometimes maybe on a, on a cyber situation where it's easier to pile on yeah, if you yeah, want to yeah, add negative comments and it takes a, a I don't want to use the word stronger person because I don't want to say that people aren't strong but I think it takes a different person to stand up and, and publicly say stop doing this, this isn't right on a social media platform you know and it's easier to be quiet and silence than to put that out there and to put yourself out there um, you know when other people are kind of pile on some of the negativity is, is that making sense to, you, yeah, to anybody? Yeah. I think that makes sense. I think it also kind of ties in with like the gold dot bystander training and also the Aveas program right. that we use um, here at the school, where you know we're encouraging people to speak up and say something, so um, or at least to tell somebody or to cause a distraction or to cause something. And I think that's where it's difficult because online, how do you really cause a distraction? You know, like if you see someone being picked on at school, you can like you know they tell you to drop your books or do something you know to cause a distraction, but. How would you do that in an online situation? You really wouldn't. You just have to like go directly and be like, hey, that's not cool. Can you please stop? Like there is no really like delegate either. Right. Like you have to either like go for it or nothing at all. Now it is. And I think Regan, that's where I was I guess my question is, like, do you feel as a student and maybe, you know, certainly representative of the student body that, you know, like that that's a not an easy thing to do, but a, a thing that people are comfortable doing, saying Hey, you know, whether it's on this online platform, hey guys, stop, this is not cool, or is it more common for people just to not say anything? And is that silence, you know, somewhat supportive of that? If that makes if that question makes sense. It would just take, like, the type of person. Like, I know people, like, I've been in, like, situations before where people are getting bullied, and I'm like, hey, can you not? But, like, if there's other people with me, they just stay silent and just, like, hey, just let the person do their own thing, even if they do need help. Yeah, um, adding on to that, when I see um, on social media, when a person necessarily doesn't defend themselves, um, they do tend to keep silent, but then again, the silence doesn't go unseen. There's usually people that also have seen the comment will stick up for them, which is, I guess, a positive outcome that could come out of it. Um, so yeah, even if like you don't have the 
you know, if you don't have the courage to speak up for yourself, there are definitely other people out there who see it and will for you. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, yeah. You know, and maybe that speaks to your point about how maybe Louisa, you know, seems to be maybe different than other places. And we don't know a lot. I don't know a lot of other places, but I certainly am glad to hear that about Louisa and certainly Reagan coming here and your, your difference in your, in your middle school. Um, I hope that speaks to the Louisa community and, and what we're trying to accomplish as a, as a not-only school, but also as a, as a school division. Yeah, and um, I'm not sure like how many different opinions like the school takes with like designing Olvea's lessons or like refining the Gold Dot program because I know we do have a lot of anti-bullying. We're very serious about bullying here, so that's definitely a good thing. So, like, do you think that students should have more of a say in like how we treat bullying here at the school? Because I'm I'm not sure like how much of a say students have in like in planning Obeas or like what we talk about in classrooms. So are you asking if they should have more of yeah. an opportunity to be a part of planning the lessons and things? Um, well, not necessarily just planning the lessons, but just kind of asking or being more part of the conversation. Like necessarily, did you get feedback from students about what you can like change? Yeah. Right. Right. I think we're moving more towards that. Um, I know at some of our in-service days um, over the summer before all the students came back, we had two students that came and spoke about their personal experiences with bullying. Um, I think, I know for me, that was really powerful. And talking with some of the other teachers, it was really powerful um, to kind of hear that um, from there. I know with some of the OBS lessons that they're doing this year, it's different departments that are planning it. Um, so I know... Um, uh, Ms. Flores's students helped her plan the one we had two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Um, but I, th I think you're right. I think it would be nice maybe, I don't I don't know how that would look um, as far as involving more students. Um, I guess I'd be interested to hear your take on what are some ways we could incorporate your voice more to kind of gear more towards the experiences that you're having and the ways that you need help rather than as we as adults think you need I mean, there's always, like, a possibility we can make, like, a feedback section, maybe at, like, the end of a gold dot session or, like, a little box. They can be like, hey, if you've seen it, what do you like to see in our program? Um, going off of what Ms. Duke said, um, I think um, that lesson was really cool, how the students were, like, you know, very interactive with the lesson. And potentially, I think if students were to do that more and if that were to be a more common thing, I feel like other students who are seeing that would kind of normalize it more they'd be like oh like this isn't good like if other kids are standing up for this cause it's a good cause and I think it'll often lead to more students supporting the movement and you know standing up for it more so I definitely think um more student interaction will be very beneficial that's just my opinion <laughs> I know in my experience um some Olbeus lessons like when we have the big group ones I can see how it could be a little impersonal to some students, but I think, um, in my experience, the old AS lessons that have included, like, the stories of people themselves, like, when people tell personal stories, I definitely get impacted a lot more with that than someone, like, standing there saying, like, oh, this is what it's defined as, and this is what you can do. Like, when you actually are able to empathize with people and see what they're going through, it's always just so much more effective. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I would agree with that. I think with the, um, the Olbeas lessons that are either the, the larger ones or the smaller ones, you know, I guess I can speak to the larger ones. I think what what the attempt there is, and, and you know, I've heard mixed reviews, to be honest, is what, what we're trying to do is give the consistent message to the entire student body, right? Because when, when we have, you know, 100 teachers doing Olbeas lessons, some, sometimes the message can be, can be missed, you know? Um, also recognizing, and this is certainly true of, of everyone that in this room and certainly everyone out there, is we've all had different life experiences, and, and some have very personal experiences with different things that become different, more difficult to talk about and share, and some don't. And I think sometimes that becomes something that has to be navigated pretty um, sensitively in, in a classroom because of the things that might have happened that we're not all aware of, right? We talked this summer also, to Ms. Duke's point, about uh, a trauma-informed lens and seeing understanding that a lot of students have experienced trauma and how that impacts, you know, them and, and how the, the interactions with teachers. But to the large uh, Olbeas lessons, you know, what we're trying to accomplish is, is a consistent understanding of 
you know, of school safety, of a consistent understanding, and what to do, or a consistent understanding of, of you know, signs of suicide, and what to do if you have a friend or yourself is experiencing that. Arguably, not the best way to do it, but the way that everyone hears a consistent message, and they supplement that with the, the classroom lessons, where hopefully, um, your second period teacher, you've created a relationship with them, you know, over the course of the semester, and, and maybe feel more comfortable sharing that smaller group about the things that are that are going on, particularly to that lesson. Yeah, so I guess we can start talking about um, just ways to decrease cyberbullying. So um, I know that a lot of students, like, they'll see cyberbullying, and of course, they don't like it, they don't condone it. However, I think a lot of students may feel uncomfortable just to say something right then and there. So how, what are some ways that students who don't necessarily want to just publicly confront the situation, what are some ways that they can help? Um, I definitely feel like um, how you mentioned earlier when you started, you definitely were very mindful of who you let follow you and who you followed. So I think um, the private account features will probably help if you kind of want to stay um, kind of lessen the focus, if you get what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, um, private account feature would probably help more with that instead of being very publicly open to everybody. And I, you know, I mentioned earlier the anonymous alerts thing, and, and you know, I, I get those as part of the admin team. Um, and I think that may be a, where I remember I said earlier, like there, there's a silence, you know, whether people feel comfortable online saying, hey guys, this isn't cool, um, but then they're not also supporting it, but there's kind of this level of silence. I think the anonymous alerts allows us to at least be aware that there's this issue between student A and student B. And if nothing else, a conversation comes into play where student A and student B, if, if there is an issue going on, cyberbullying or otherwise, that there can at least be a conversation and awareness that you know it's not just the students are aware of this, now, now adults are aware, whether that's counseling, administration, law enforcement, depending on the level of, of what's happening. And I think that has been a huge benefit to anonymous alerts. And, and I wish more students use that if it's a, if they are seeing the things that are concerning, and there's there's a there's a difficult navigating how to fix that as a you know because it might be your friends or a friend group or not knowing what to say or, or not feeling comfortable saying something because of, of maybe the retaliation that they might experience. Um, so I would certainly encourage the use of that because um, it seems to be a pretty effective tool for us. I think also just. Um sometimes it's just hard to see that it is bullying because sometimes it can take the form of like an inside comment that no one else really understands or maybe people aren't sure if what is happening is actual bullying like is this just kind of a spat on social media or is it one-sided so I think that's another reason but I mean like do you think that we as students if there's just like if we're not sure should we still do something I would say absolutely, and you know, I hope everyone heard Mr. Woody last week when he said you know, he'd rather spend his full day investigating something that be found nothing than to not have a chance to know about it. Um, you know, and that may sound like lip service, but but I, I, I can tell you that happens with great regularity. Um, whether it's whether it's a counselor or an administrator who, who gets a report or something, um, because ultimately we're, we're here for you all, right? I mean, that's why our, our lives and jobs exist here is to help the young people here in different fashions and different capacities, but. I would rather spend time working with a student and find out that the situation is nothing or not true than to not know about it and it happened and it just continues to exacerbate in the student's life. Yeah, for sure. I definitely agree with that. It's better to be safe than sorry. Yeah, Jeffy, I agree with you and also Mr. Ryan. I think, you know, it's better to, to know and then find out it'd be nothing than to not know and have it turn into something else. Um, I think we're really good here, um, for the most part, in Louisa, about people, you know, speaking up and saying things, you know, whether it's anonymously or, you know, to a trusted adult or someone else. I was kind of thinking, Reagan, what you were talking earlier about how it's hard to, like, distract or delegate online, and I was wondering, and I don't know if this would work or not, but if you saw something like that, could you then, even if you didn't feel comfortable speaking up online, could you maybe, you know, talk to that friend and say, hey, maybe you want to block this person or not follow them? I don't know if that would help or not, but at least that person would know that, that you saw it and you realize that it's not okay. Yeah, definitely. Like, if you notice it out front, right. you, you can always talk to the person and check up on them because, you know, things like that will just hurt others. So, like, yeah, it would definitely 
be more helpful if you notice it and talk to that person alone than report it. Right. Because you can always help them, like, go to a trusted adult or something. And, Jimmy, I was kind of thinking what you were saying, too, about, you know, it's so confusing to know, is this cyberbullying or insulting? So maybe that should be part of what we're doing um, when we're talking about getting the students involved, having those conversations, and maybe an Ovaeus lesson where where people are talking, not a big lesson, but one of the smaller ones, you know, what defines cyberbullying and, and what are some things that you can do and just to kind of have that open conversation to start communicating and talking about it and kind of normalizing what you were saying earlier, Janine, um, that it's not okay and that we recognize that it's not okay and, and how do we go about trying to, to fix it. Yeah, I think there's always that fine line there between like um, students who feel like if the school's like overstepping with um, being involved in trying to stop it and then whether or not like this needs to be something that's fixed here and now or just kind of it'll go away on its own. So that's always going to be a debate and I think there's always going to be people on both sides of that. Um, so right before we wrap up I would like to just go around the circle once more just to say like um, if there's one piece of advice you give to someone who's being cyberbullied what would you say? I would definitely say try and find someone to talk to. Um, I, I'm a firm believer in, I'm not always the best at practicing this, but it really is better to talk about whatever is bothering you. And that impacts you in a way that you may not even realize how it's impacting you. Um, so I think it's really important that you talk to someone about it. It doesn't really matter who it is, but someone that you trust that you can talk to. Because even just saying it out loud takes away some of the power um, that those words have impacted you because it's it's not you keeping it as this like dark secret it's you releasing that out into the world and saying you know and hopefully when you're saying that you'll realize that it's not okay um I definitely agree with Miss Duke um you may be scared to um, you may be scared to tell it which a lot of this conversation um highlighted on you may be scared to come out and say you're cyberbullied because t in today's society it is seen as an embarrassing thing. Um, but just know you're not alone, and there are there's someone you can tell. You may not want to get adults involved, but I guarantee you there's that one close friend that would probably do everything in their power to help you. Yeah, definitely. If it is happening, you need to speak up. Like from past experiences, I should have spoke up like sooner, get the problem figured out with. Instead of keeping it like a hiding thing for like two years and now speaking about it when these kids are like 20. So if it's like having you right at the moment, it definitely just like go to someone or talk to a friend. Yeah, and, I, and I'm just glad that that's kind of the consensus is to, is to reach out, you know, and, and not, you know, put yourself in a hole and, and being willing to say anything. And, and admitting that something's happening to you that's, that's negative is arguably a very difficult thing to do, whether it's embarrassing. Um, you know, frustrating, sad, you know, all those range of emotions come in when you have this feeling of, I don't, I don't know why this is happening. It is happening. I feel miserable. How do I get out of this? And, and if it's, if it's a person that was a friend of yours or a person that you have, you know, that you don't like, but it just becomes hard to navigate because adolescence is difficult to navigate as it is. Um, so when you have, and I call them trusted advisors, when if you're ever in my office and, you know, we're talking about things that are happening and, and decisions you have to make. I ask, who are your trusted advisors? And sometimes they get, you know, they're like, they should, you know, what do you mean trusted advisors? I'm like, well, people that you can trust and you allow into your friend group and their opinion matters to you, right? Um, and, we, and my sincere hope is that we all have at least a few, right? Um, and maybe that's sometimes parents. I also recognize sometimes that's not parents, knowing the, the student situation that we have. But a trusted advisor would say, hey, I'm going through this. What do you think I should do? Because the, the paralysis of not doing anything We'll continue things going as, they, as they're going. So, you know, and hopefully that person says, hey, you need to really go talk to Ms. Duke about that. Or, you know, you need, you know, to see Mr. Travada, or you need to stop by and see Ms. Ms. Coleman in the counseling office, you know, just to walk through that and then to kind of be able to navigate that successfully to the point of not that the adult think it's successful, but that the students think it's successful. Because ultimately that's, that has to be the resolve is that the student feels like it's been resolved and successfully kind of navigated or else it really, it, it could certainly repeat itself. So I think it has to be a successful feeling on the part of the student, not always only a successful one on the part of the adult that gets involved. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is don't invalidate yourself. Like, obviously, if you're bothered by a comment someone is telling you, like, 
your feelings should matter enough that you take it seriously and don't just write yourself off and don't say that you're too sensitive because obviously it's affecting you and so um, it's important that you know that it's like it's real and that it's not right what some what something whatever's happening it's it's not right and so you're not overly sensitive if you get bothered by something and then also I'd say like if you have friends if your friends are good like don't push them away keep your friends and of course if they're the ones bullying you absolutely don't don't do that but like if you have friends who you think maybe wouldn't understand you try to think like they could like I think that you should um feel like you're able to lean on them so just always consider that all right so the stop bullying now hotline it's 1-800-273-8255 and then I know there are also many other mental health hotlines that are also available um definitely the trusted advisors um whoever you can talk to there are always people so thank you all so much for being here um thank you to listeners of the asana podcast and we will see you next time yeah, thank you so much. No problem. <laughs>